you and your family is uh, doing well, uh, especially in this cold and just free from sickness. I know I've been recovering over the last two weeks from the common cold, and just excuse me if I have to just clear my throat every once in a while. But as we come to God's Word, I'm excited to bring it to you today. Uh, I just ask that God might be here with us as we come to His Word, that uh, He might be speaking to each and every one of you. So how about we pray together? Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you for a time where we get to come and gather and worship you. Father, right now we just ask by your Spirit that you would open our minds, that you would clear them, and you would soften our hearts and ready our hands to receive your word today. And we pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Well, one of the checkpoints in life are job interviews. We all eventually have to go through them. One of my favorite things about job interviews are interview questions. I know one of the things that I had to go through was interview questions when I was going through my ministry apprenticeship, and I was asked a whole heap of questions. I was kind of getting grilled by the elders. And one of the, most, and one of the common questions that came up was, what are your strengths and weaknesses? What are your strengths and weaknesses? And this is interesting because this question, we all have to answer it eventually. At some point, we all have to answer this question, what are your strengths and weaknesses? It's interesting because we often avoid the weakness part of the question. We sort of skip over it. We usually say some sort of half-truth. For example, one of my weaknesses is that I'm too good-looking or that that I smile too much or that I'm too honest. But more commonly, we try to move on to our strengths as quick as possible. We try to move on to our selling points because our strengths are usually our selling points. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a fast learner. I'm reliable. I got 20 years experience in the field. I thrive under tight deadlines. I work well in a team. And the point is we sort of sidestep our weaknesses and focus all our time, our energy in boasting in about our strengths about why a company should employ you, why you are a suitable candidate, and how you can bring value to a company. Can I suggest to you that we all boast in something? We all boast in something. Uh, Tim Keller, pastor in New York, says that every single soul makes its boast in something. If you have money, you say, look at the money I have. You say, this is why I'm valuable. This is why I'm worthy of applause and of praise. Maybe you're a parent, and you might say, look, look at my kids. Look at what they have accomplished, what they have achieved as they have grown up. I'm not sure about you, but I have Asian parents, and Asian parents really love to boast about their kids. And I know this one particular auntie who loves boasting about his son, and he's like, and she's like, he's a doctor, he's a lawyer, he's an engineer and an astronaut, all at the same time. <laughs> Maybe you're a uni student or a full-time worker. You say, look at what I study, look at what uni I went to, look at what I do for a career. 
Look at how much I make. And it even happens in subtle ways. We boast in subtle ways, right? And guys, I really want you to see this because there are some people at my church who actually boast quite subtly about their height, right? A couple of months ago, I was talking to some guys at, some, at my church, and there's this guy who's pretty tall. He's quite tall. He's a bit like about here. And get this. He said this to me. He said, how does it feel looking up at me all the time? How does it feel looking up at me all the time? You see, whatever we do, whatever we think, whether we realize or not, we all boast in something. We boast in our achievements. We boast in our family, our uni, our career, our, whatever it is. We attribute these things as signs of strength, power, status. And we all boast in something, whether we realize it or not. And you see, that's what's going on here in the Corinthian church. The leaders of the Corinthian church who were boasting about how great they were. The leaders. In fact, they were so great. You see, the leaders, they were calling themselves super apostles. Super apostles. They were boasting about how eloquent they are, how much smarter they are, how richer they are. And of course, they were accusing Paul, the writer of this letter, about him being weak and inadequate and useless, and they were constantly attacking him in his ministry. And the context up to this point is Paul is trying to expose these super apostles in the Corinthian church. He's trying to expose their motivations, their teaching, their hypocritical lives. Because these super apostles have won over the loyalty of the Christians at Corinth. And so today he gives what people often call the fool's speech. The fool's speech. He's, because he's trying to win the Christians there back over to the gospel. And so we see Paul here in our passage sarcastically mocking these super apostles. He's trying to demonstrate their foolish way of thinking and living and in our passage today, we see that it's full of irony, it's full of sarcasm, it's full of parody. Because Paul is saying that people who follow Christ will never boast like them. In fact, people who follow Christ are the ones who boast in their weaknesses. And so we'll explore what that means today. There's three points in your bulletins, three points, and you'll find that in your bulletins. But let's have a look at the first one. Let's have a look at boasting in foolishness. Well, if you see in our passage, the Corinthians were truly fooled. They were truly fooled by these super apostles, these false apostles. They were truly deceived. And it's apparent that Paul is almost forced to talk like these super apostles, to sort of speak their language. And so when you look at verse 16, notice how it's full of sarcasm. Verse 16, this is what Paul says. Read with me. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. Do you see what's, what's happening here? Paul is obviously no fool. We know that. And we see that he's clarifying he's not. But since the Corinthians considered him one and they were so deceived by these super apostles, what, what does Paul do? Paul uses their language to get through to them. 
He's going to play their game. Paul is saying, I'm going to speak like these boastful fools. I'm going to, I'm going to speak like these boastful fools who are boasting all about the flesh, who are all about showing off according to this world. And it is this foolish, this self-commending, prideful boasting that Paul is trying to expose. However, I hope you, don't, hope you see that Paul does not want to do this. He doesn't want to boast. But as a fool, he will. Verse 18 says, Since many are boasting in the way the world does, he says, I too will boast. Do you see what Paul is doing here? Paul is not a fool. And he doesn't want to boast about himself. But since these super apostles, this is the game the super apostles play, he's going to entertain it. Since it's the only way it's going to get through to the Christians there, he's going to play their game. Do you see that? And I want to say that it's not normally right for a Christian to boast, to boast in themselves. And that may come as a surprise when you look at social media you'll find it's actually quite normal to boast about yourselves. You see Christians who brag about who they are, what they have done, where they have been, what their accomplishments are. But we see here Paul, he is ready to do so in order to convince these Christians at Corinth. Paul calls the false apostles foolish for boasting in the the way the world does. But there's also another point. Paul isn't just saying these false apostles are, not only these false apostles are fools, but he's also calling the Corinthians too. He's calling the Corinthians fools as well. They've fallen for the super apostles and he's saying that they're fools. Verse 19 tells us that they've gladly put up with fools since they are so wise. And you see, he's saying here that the Corinthians who were so completely convinced with these false apostles they too had been completely fooled, duped, scammed. And the question is, what are the indicators of the Corinthians being duped? In fact, why would he say this to them? Remember, Paul loves them. He cares for them. He, he loves them. Why on earth would he call them fools? Wouldn't that be a bit offensive? Well, it's obvious. The Corinthians were completely fooled by the super apostles. And so much that they actually put up with all their arrogance, their boastfulness, their abuse. Have a look at verse 20. They treated them so horribly. Verse 20, you even put up with them who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on air or slaps you in the face. You see, the Corinthians were completely fooled. They were duped. And these super apostles, they probably come up to them and slap them right across the face, and they still would have had a massive smile on their face. Imagine David right here coming up to you and slapping you across the face. I'm not sure that he would, but just imagine. That's, That's the imagery that I want you to see. And Paul is saying that the Corinthians, they've allowed themselves to fall for this sort of leadership, to fall for this sort of boasting. 
You're allowing yourself to be scammed, to be fooled by these people, to fall for this sort of foolishness, to fall for this sort of boasting that is in the standard of this world. And often there are things that sometimes don't make sense, but that raises the question, why were the Corinthians so easily fooled? Why were they so easily fooled? Why were the Corinthians so attracted to these super apostles' power? Well, the reason is that they probably associated worldly achievements with strength, with power. And that's nothing new to us, right? A successful career, an eloquent speaker, someone who is wealthy, We buy into the pattern of this world and we associate these things with strength, with power, with status. And you see the super apostles, they operated exactly the same way, which is why the Corinthians bought into it, which is why the Corinthians were sucked in. They were fooled. Paul is pointing at these people, the the, the people that the Corinthians admired, these super apostles, and he was saying, these fancy, smanchy, impressive super apostles, he, will call, he was calling them fools. He was calling them fools for boasting in the way the world does. And just imagine in the, Corinthians, in the Corinthian church as they were conducting the interview with the super apostles and asking the same question, what are your strengths and weaknesses? What are your strengths and weaknesses? What do you think the super apostle would, would have said? Skilled leader, amazing track record, many converts, award-winning motivational speaker. Hear this, loves to exploit followers and their resources. Takes advantage of people. Abusive tendencies and actions like slapping people across the face. And you see these Corinthians They were okay with it. They had fallen for it, and so they were looking like fools as well. And the point is, when we boast, when we're impressed with boasting of others, we actually look quite foolish. We look dumb, we look stupid, and we're not seeing this entire picture, and it's foolish. And so Paul, in verse 21, admits he is too weak to be like that, too weak to tolerate the behavior from these super apostles. And so, because the Corinthians were completely duped, they were completely deceived by the false apostles. And what Paul wants, what Paul wants the Corinthians to know is that God's people boast in their weaknesses. God's people boast in their weaknesses. Not their strengths, not their status, not about themselves, but God's people boast in their weaknesses. And so when, and Paul's like, so Paul's like, okay, if we're going to play that game, if we're going to boast, if we're going to boast according to the world, he's like, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what it's like to boast according to the world. Have a look at point two, the bragging rights of Paul. Let's read from the second half of verse 21. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. 
Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. Do you notice what Paul is saying here at the start? Notice what he says. He says, before he, what he says before he brags, he says, I am speaking as a fool. And what I want you to notice is that Paul calls himself a fool, but he uses it in a different way. He's actually calling, when he calls himself a fool, he's calling himself a buffoon, an idiot. He's calling a buffoon because he is lowering himself to the standard of these super apostles. And you see these disclaimers, these are sort of found throughout the passage, and they show us how reluctant Paul actually is in boasting. Paul is reluctant in boasting and bragging in this way. And what he says, and he suggests, what he says suggests what is going on in the Corinthian church. It suggests what they're looking for, what they value, what these false apostles were proud of. Well, have a look. Well, what, what, what are they proud of? Well, first, he goes on about bragging about his ethnicity, his culture. He says he's a Hebrew, a Jew. And if he had a passport, he'd probably say the nationality of Israel, Israelite. He's a part of the promises of God made to Abraham. What you need to see here is Paul's resume was actually very impressive. In fact, he was a Pharisee in the past. He had memorized the scriptures, and in Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, he was very impressive. He describes himself as circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard of the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. You see, Paul is saying, this is the equivalent of Elon Musk saying, I am the founder of Tesla, SpaceX, OpenAI, Neuralink, Starlink, and I'm about to buy Twitter. That was Paul's resume. Paul was very high up. And Paul is trying to show that he's no way inferior to these false apostles. If anything, if anyone could boast, it was Paul. It was Paul who could boast in the things of this world. In the Corinthians' time, Paul would have been highly regarded. He is no less than these super apostles. Paul is an heir to all the covenant blessings of the old covenant. He would have had a PhD equivalent in the old covenant. And if Paul wanted to play that game, he would have. He could have. But instead, what does he do? He boasts about his weaknesses. And what I want you to notice is that Paul continues to brag, right? And, but he brags in this weird way. He brags in his weaknesses. Notice that he prefaces that he's out of his mind for talking like this, that everything he's about to say is going to sound crazy. He's reminding us this, this is all going to sound crazy. It's, it sounds, it's crazy talk. Listen to what he says. He says, I've worked much harder. I've been to prison more. I've been bashed more. I've been close to death more. And you might be like, hang on. Is Paul really losing his mind here? Why on earth is he bragging about these things? Why is he bragging about his weaknesses? Right? 
where you see Paul brags not about his strengths, but about his suffering and his times of weaknesses, because that is what defines his ministry. Paul brags about his weaknesses and suffering because that is what defines his ministry. And he continues, doesn't he? What does Paul boast about? And what does he brag about? What is his suffering? His punishments, his persecutions, his suffering, his dangerous situations that he's had, as well as the daily pressures of anxieties for the churches he loves. You see what Paul was bragging about? This is what Paul was bragging about. He's essentially bragging about getting bashed. I don't know about you, but getting bashed is not something you brag about. He got bashed, it looks ugly, it's weak, it looks like a failure, and it actually looks bad for Paul in his ministry. Why didn't he say, look at all these churches I planted? Why didn't he brag about that? Why didn't he brag about the thousands of converts that he had? Why didn't he brag about the disciples that, and the mentors, mentees that he was mentoring? Why didn't he brag about these things? Why does he brag about his suffering? Well, he brags about his suffering, his weakness, because that is what defines his ministry. He's saying, my ministry is not about me boasting. My ministry is not about how good I look. It's not how much I can exaggerate the truth. But he's boasting in the fact that he has no strength, he has no power, he has no status. Well, doesn't that remind you of someone? It, it looks a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? And it's everything opposite to these boasting false teachers. And so Paul continues on. He talks about this inward suffering as well. And he's, right now he's talking about outward suffering, but he look, right now he's looking at his inward sufferings. And as if all this physical stuff, all this getting bashed and outward suffering wasn't enough already. And I don't know about you, but the way Paul describes danger or being in danger actually makes me feel like I'm in danger. Right? You see danger, this, danger, that, danger, this, this, and that. I've never felt this much danger from reading the Bible before. Other than danger, he is hungry, he is thirsty, he is sleepless and tired, cold and naked, what a list. What a list. But notice, what is the cherry on top? Besides everything else, what does Paul care most about? You, you can see it there. The daily pressures of anxiety for all the churches he loves. Paul seems to view his concern for the churches as the climax of his suffering, his daily pressure of anxiety. I'm not sure how many of you know what that's like or if you're wrestling with something similar, but this constant, intense feeling of worrying and fear. And Paul's constantly worrying about the health of the churches he loves. And the reality is, if you love God's church, if you love God's people, if you're all about God's mission, it's not an easy thing. In fact, it's very difficult. 
It's hard. It's emotionally taxing and psychologically taxing. You see, why is Paul boasting? Why is he bragging? Well, he wants to boast in his weakness because he loves them. Followers of Jesus boast in their weaknesses. Have a look at our last point. Let's read from verse 29. Boasting in weakness. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that, my, that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Paul is weak? Do you think Paul is weak here? Seriously, do you think he's weak? Because I don't. Have a look at what he's gone through, this physical, this relational, emotional, psychological suffering, all this that he's going through. I don't think he's weak at all. Paul wants to show his weakness. Paul, and, and we see that Paul wants to show his weakness. Paul wants to show his weakness because it actually reminds us of Christ. You see, Jesus Christ went to die for us and to the world, to Caesar, to the leaders, to his disciples even, his death, Jesus' death was a sign of weakness. You see, in his death, death was actually crushed by weakness. Death was crushed by weakness. And we know we have the final victory in Christ. His strength in weakness has borne everything that once condemned us. And death no longer threatens us. And you see, the power of his cross has crushed everything, including the very thing that we're most afraid of, death. And so, friends, we might be asking the question, what does it mean to be boasting in our weakness? Because it's so crucial and important for Paul. What does it actually look like? Or to, well, it means we reject the foolishness of this world. It means that we reject the foolishness of this world. It means we look in our hearts for our true treasure, our true strength. And this is worthy of boasting because of what he has done, what he has done for us. Because when we boast in our weakness, we are telling the world, look at what Christ did. Look at what Look at the cross. Look at the ultimate hope and security that we have in him. And this contradicts everything the world teaches because God's power is nothing like what this world considers power. God's power is nothing like what this world considers power. And yet, and listen closely. Listen closely. Jesus died for the boastful so that they could boast in the Lord. Jesus died for the boastful, so that they would boast in the Lord. So remember why Paul is boasting. He's boasting because he wants us to be boasting in Christ. He wants us to be faithful in Christ, which is why early in the chapter in verse 3, he says he's afraid that our thoughts would be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion from Christ. 
You see, what Paul wants you to know is that God's people remain faithful to Christ in boasting in him. God's pe- Paul wants God's people to remain faithful to him in boasting in him. And I want to point back to a passage early in the book, in chapter 4, verse 6. If you have your Bibles open, chapter 4, verse 6. And you could say this, is the pas- this passage shall summarize the good news of 2 Corinthians, which reads, We have the treasure of God shining in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, this treasure is in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We boast in our weaknesses because in him, by his power, he has made us strong. We can boast in our weaknesses, in all our weaknesses, in all our failures because it is all rooted in Christ's strength. It's all rooted in Christ's strengthening power. We can boast in all our weaknesses because Christ, in Christ, we are made strong. So I have some points to ponder or some application for you. Some questions to ask as you go out today. What are some foolish boasts in your life? What are, your, what are some foolish boasts in your life? And by that I mean, what do we usually turn to as brags of our accomplishments? What, do we, what are some of our subtle boasts in our life? It could be your health, your wealth, your relationship, your family, your car, your career. A good place to start would be thinking of what we do when we face a difficult circumstance. What is that one thing do, that we cling on to mo- the most? Because that is a foolish boast if it's not Christ. Do we turn to God in prayer or are we like the fool in Psalm 14 verse 1 that's who says, there is no God? Foolishness is ignoring God and pretending that we are living in a world where he doesn't exist. Are we like that fool in Psalm chapter 14? Do we consider who God and what he is and what he can do? Because our difficult circumstances often exposes our idols and exposes what we depend on. And Paul calls it foolishness to depend on ourselves. What are some foolish boasts in your life? Secondly, what are some weaknesses you are most ashamed of? What are some of the weaknesses that you are most ashamed of? I don't know what you're wrestling through, whether it's mental health or ministry disappointments or broken relationships or loss of a loved one. But what are some of the weaknesses that you are most ashamed of? And connected to that, how might Christ's strength be displayed through that weakness, through your weakness? Because unless you know what your weaknesses are, unless you know how the gospel addresses those weaknesses, you're not prepared to display it. You're not prepared to display it. Can I suggest to you that someone needs to see you boast in your weaknesses? 
Someone needs to see you boast in your weaknesses, to see you cling on to Christ as your true treasure who makes your weaknesses strength. Being a Christian following Christ means that we reflect what the cross is. And that means with weaknesses come sufferings. And to the world's perception, boasting in these things might be foolish. But it is central to what we live for as we live for Christ, as we display Christ. And so we can boast in all our weaknesses and failures because it displays Christ through our life. Jesus died for the boastful so that they would boast in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. We pray that as we come before you right now, bare and unafraid in our weakness, knowing you by your power give us an everlasting strength. Help us to proclaim Christ's work on the cross through our lives and through our weaknesses. And so, Father, we pray all this in your son's name, we pray. Amen.